Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, is there a game or something today in like an hour and a half? All right, yeah, okay, big game. All right, all right. Hey, good to see you guys. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Riverland, and I'm excited to gather together this morning as we continue in this series called Together is Better. We are looking at the truth that we are built and made for community, that you and I are built for relationships, and God designed it that way for our lives to work correctly. Specifically, we're looking at how we need relationships to help us become a better follower of Jesus. So connecting to a small group is going to make a huge difference in our lives when it comes to how we live it and our relationship with God and each other. Last week, Ben, our lead pastor, kicked off the series by talking about how it's awesome and great when we come together here on the weekends at services to sing, to talk, to learn, to, to hang out. It's good to be sitting in rows, but what he taught last week is circles are better than rows. That in circles, when we gather together, in small groups. That's where we grow and encourage and challenge each other to follow Jesus even more and better. And so uh, it's, it's great to be here in rows together, but circles uh, are better. And that's what Ben taught. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to uh, use our app or go to our website to catch up and, and, and listen to that talk. It's a great message that Ben gave. And as we continue in that series, our series today, I want to talk about another truth about Together is Better, and that is uh, the impact that people make in our lives when we need them uh, the most. You see, when we invest in relationships, those relationships have a sort of payoff to them. And so when you invest in relationships, uh, some of the payoff you get is just joy in life. It brings laughter and, and happiness and connectedness. Another payoff, it brings us a sense of belonging, that we're a part of something with other people. It brings good things to our lives. Another payoff is when we invest in relationships, we have people that speak into our lives to prevent us from doing stupid things. Because what happens if we don't invest in relationships, we don't get the good things, we don't get the laughter and the joy, and we don't have people to point out the stupid things we're about to do, uh, like some of our fashion choices we used to uh, live in a couple, you know, a couple years back, a couple decades back. And uh, like, they, like this, I was able to obtain uh, some amazing old photos of staff members at River Glen that I'm going to share with you guys. And it's going to be a wonderful time. So this first one right here, check this out. This is like straight 1980s metal band right here. It's awesome. But do you recognize the River Glen staff member? It's this good-looking gentleman right here. That's Mike Johnson, the director of our arts team here at River Glen. Look at Fabio. Look at him, man. Look at that long, flowing blonde locks of greatness. Uh, I love it. I think you should bring that look back. But some people will look at that and go, what were you thinking, man? But I love it. I think he's a supermodel. He looks good. So we got Mike right there. He, he works here. And then we have this. We have this big hairstyle. How many of you ladies rocked that big hairstyle when you were younger? Yeah, a few of you. I call this the bird's nest because uh, I feel like birds can just like kind of just like plop right there, lay some eggs, and just like, you know, birds can live there. It's great. So this is uh, Dana. Our, she runs our Red Sea Cafe on the weekends. This is Renee, and she's on our arts team, and I appreciate them giving us these pictures because they're awesome, but I'm also thankful my wife doesn't have that hairstyle, just to be honest. So, uh, but it, it, it's good times. Then we have this one. This is my favorite. This is one of our elders, Dave Cole, and look at the waterfall of glory that I'm calling it of this mullet. I mean, it is, it is pure you know, business up front, partying in the back hardcore. This is like Billy Ray Cyrus level right here. This is, this is legit stuff. This is Dave, one of our elders. And I don't even know if he knows that we have this picture. His wife just gave it to me. He's like, use this. I'm like, I will use this. And so it's awesome. But I can't do this without picking on myself. I did the opposite thing. So you can't really tell, but I buzzed my entire head, but kept my bangs when I was in fourth grade. Why? I don't know. Maybe I wanted to party up front, business in the back. I can't figure it out, but it was a stupid decision. And then I have no idea what this shirt's all about. I don't know why my mom let me leave the house that day, but now it's forever ingrained in my fourth grade class picture. And so 
We, we have these moments where we look back and go, what were you thinking? Don't you know there's going to be some pastor that uses this and shows hundreds of people these pictures years down the road? But I'm having some fun with this, but it, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Is it'd be nice if we had people to go, you may regret that look later on in life. But the truth is we need people in our lives that help us when we do things, when we, when we struggle with things, we, we fall. And I'm not necessarily talking about when we're going through a fashion crisis, although it's probably good to have people around us for those moments. I'm talking about we need other people when we go through times of need. And we need to experience that together is better because all of us will inevitably go through a time of need, uh, a time of struggle. Because here's the truth. All of us in this room, all of us are either in a time of need right now, we're leaving a time of need, or we will be entering a time of need shortly. This is just a cycle of life. And it could be something minor, like it needs a, we need to help with a small car repair. Or we need someone to watch and take care of our kids while you and the spouse go on a date one evening. Those are times of need. We need other people around us. They're minor, but we need them. But sometimes they're more major, like a job transition, or a health scare, or a faith crisis. Whatever it is, all of us have times when we are in need of something and someone to help us. We have times when we are in trouble and when we struggle, we need someone to help us get us through that time. The problem is, though, we don't naturally lean into relationships as much anymore. We don't uh, always put forth the effort to invest in relationships. And when those times come and when those times do happen, we don't have anyone there to help us out through it. Instead, we end up carrying that burden on our own, on our own shoulders, or or it's just us and our families carrying it by ourselves. And the problem is that's not how God designed us to live life. You see, what if God designed us to live in community because he knew we'd need it? And what if God wants us to invest in relationships with each other because he knows that when times of need hit, we're going to need those other people in our lives? And what if God knows that together is better because that's the way he created this whole thing to work? You see, what if connecting to a circle, a small group, It's one of the best things that you can do for your life right now in order to get through the things that are going to hit later. And it's that tension that we're going to wrestle with today together. And we're going to look at some wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. And we're going to have the verses up on the screen. But if you want to open up your Bibles with the Bibles and the seatbacks in front of you, go ahead and do that. Grab them. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes today. It's in the Old Testament, so the first half of the Bible. And this book was written by this guy named Solomon. Now Solomon was the king of Israel and he reigned in Israel for 40 years and this guy had it all. Seriously, he had wealth, he had women, he had wisdom, he had peace in the land, he didn't have to worry about enemies attacking. This guy was just in good shape as a king. And he wrote a lot of wisdom down in scripture that we can read. He wrote the book Song of Songs, he wrote a bunch of the Proverbs and he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. But what's unique about this book called Ecclesiastes is that in Solomon's reign, you can kind of split it up into two different chapters. His first 20 years in reign, things went really well. It was a very bright time for him. Uh, Life was going good. You know, everything was working out really nice for him. But the second 20 years was, was a darker time for him. He started realizing that the things he thought were important in life weren't as, as important as he thought they were. And he started questioning the purpose and the meaning of life. And he went through this very depressing, dark stage of life trying to figure out what's the meaning of this whole thing anyway. And we get that teaching in Ecclesiastes. It's some really, really good stuff. We find his thoughts in that book where he says things like, everything is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Work is meaningless. Wealth is meaningless. It's a really uplifting book. I'm serious. You should read it. It's awesome. Uh, Everything is just pointless, he says. It's inspiring. Uh, But what he says is in the midst of him trying to find meaning in life, in the midst of him looking for purpose, he finds some. 
And he teaches us that. And he says this, and it has to do with relationships in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And so in Solomon's experience and his wisdom, and he's known as one of the wisest people to ever walk this planet, he understands and he's, he's learned in his life that we need other people. If someone were to fall, having someone there to pick them back up is essential for us in life. Have you ever seen someone fall? And I'm not talking about the physical fall, like they trip over their own two feet, like just fall in life with some sort of circumstance. Maybe it's a marital fall and a divorce happens. Or a job transition and there's a financial fall. Maybe it's a fall due to an addiction. Or maybe it's a relationship fall where you know, a loved one goes on their own wayward path. Whatever it may be, people fall. And Solomon says that when that happens, we need others around us to pick us back up because it's going to happen. And he even warns that when someone falls, they're in really tr real big trouble if they have no one else there to pick them up. We see this all the time in life. We see people fall and they're struggling and they're dealing with circumstances in life and they have no one else to pick them up. We have people like that who uh, call into the Riverland office and they're going through a difficult stage of life. Maybe it was a job thing or they can't pay their bills or get food on their table and they go, we need help. And we do as much as we can to help. But here's the issue we, we, we have is the church is not the office. The church is the people. Riverland, we're, we exist because we're people together. And we should be rallying around other people to pick them up when they fall. Because what happens is, is every time someone calls the office, we know right away the situation. And we ask the questions, but we know the answer. And we ask, like, do you have others around you? Are you, are you connected to a small group? Do you have a circle of people that know about your circumstance? And every time, the answer is no. They're going through this circumstance and this fall in life, and they're doing it by themselves, and they have no one there to encourage them, to pick them back up, and to help them with their fall. You see, we see Solomon's warning that someone who falls alone is in really trouble. We, we, we see that become a reality. But we also see the opposite. For as many of the people that come needing help without a circle, there's many that fall and struggle in life, but they have a circle of people around them to pick them up. There's stories of people in small groups where things happen in life and their small group just rallies around and they pick their, 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 their friend, their peer, their loved one back up. And what's awesome is we hear about these stories way after the fact because they just take care of it in their circle. They experience the reality of what Solomon was teaching thousands of years ago. Because here's what Solomon's saying in those verses. He's saying this, circles help us when we fall. Circles help us when we fall. He's saying we're all going to fall, so we need others to pick us up when that happens. He then continues in verse 11 and 12 by saying, Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So Solomon continues this teaching and this understanding that we need other people, that together is better. What he's saying is we, we don't just need people to help us to pick us up when we fall. We need people around us to prevent us from falling. Because the truth is all of us here are susceptible to falling into some sort of issue, some struggle, and making a decision that's going to lead to some pain in our lives. And maybe it's a financial decision or a relationship decision or a, a substance decision. But we could, uh, we're all susceptible and capable of making a choice that lead us into the wrong path. And it leads us to a lot of pain. What's even more dangerous about these situations is a lot of times, you and me, we're blind to it. 
It's a blind spot we have in our lives that we don't see that if we go down this path, it's going to lead to a lot of trouble. But when we have other people around us, when we invest in those relationships, they're going to help us point that out and see those blind spots. If you ever talk to someone who's uh, kind of fallen into a blind spot and they've gone to some really uh, difficult path, maybe it's an affair or uh, someone struggling with a substance issue, whatever the case may be, none of them ever planned on getting in that situation. I never made a plan, and that's the direction they were going to go. But what they say is, you know, one thing just started happening, led to another, led to another. I didn't see it happening. And next thing I know, I was in this mess of a situation. This is what can happen to all of us. But when we invest in the right relationships, those people will point out the things that could be a danger of our lives and our way of living. Solomon explains this, thinking with a couple of analogies here, explaining that having others will help prevent us from going into trouble. He talks about how keeping warm and, and how it's easier that we do that with other people and not just by ourselves, which is honestly kind of weird. Uh, but I, I get what he's saying, you know. And now just to be clear, he's talking about cuddling here, kind of. And, and just so we're clear, if you're thinking about small groups, there's no cuddling in small groups, okay. Just, some of you are thinking, like, what's going to happen? We're going to keep warm in small groups? Like, you're not going to sign up for a group and, like, go there and the leader's going to be like, hey, welcome to a small group. It's our first time. What we're going to do today for our study time is we're going to, you know, put Solomon's teaching into practice. And so... Uh, uh, get a cuddle buddy and let's keep warm, people. Uh, no, I'd be out. I, I'm gone. It's not, it's not happening. All right? But you know, he, I get what he's saying, though. We need others to keep us protected. He also gives another analogy, a fighting analogy. So he's like an equal opportunity analogy maker. And so uh, by, by, he says, by yourself, you're not going to see every angle if you're just sitting there by yourself. You're not going to see every horizon. Uh, an enemy can sneak up and attack. But he says if you're back-to-back you're, you're back with people, or you have three people with you, you can see every angle. And you'll see when enemies attack, and you'll be protected that way. So, so, so Solomon appeals to uh, the, the cuddly crowd and the uh, bloodthirsty fighting crowd. And so one of you guys, are, you're probably one of each of those, or one of those. Uh, I'm the cuddler. I'll just admit it. It's okay. Um, but no, Solomon's saying is we need other people. And what he's teaching here is that circles prevent blind spots. Circles prevent blind spots. When we invest in the relationships, other people will help point out those situations that we could fall into and bring accountability to our lives that we're open to falling. But we have to invest in those relationships to experience it. And what Solomon is teaching here overall is he's teaching that he's, what he has learned in life and what we can do and we have to learn in life is we know we can't do this thing by ourselves we need other people. And so most importantly, Solomon is teaching that circles prevent isolation. Solomon's his experience, his wisdom, his relationship with God, it led him to know that life cannot be done alone, that we need circles, we need relationships. And Solomon learned that together is better. Because you see, in isolation, we are prone to attack, we are open to struggle, we're open to fall. But in community, we become better. We have others that can pick us up when we fall and point out the blind spots that exist in our lives. See, that's what happens when we're not in isolation. You see, Solomon understood this. He experienced this. He taught this. But do we understand it? Something even I've noticed in the past couple of decades while I've lived on this planet is, is we've gone from being a very open, community-focused society to a more private and individualistic society. Like look at houses, for instance. This is something I've, I've seen and people have pointed out. Look at houses and how houses are built now. 
Now, my wife and I and our kids, we live closer to downtown Waukesha. There's a lot of older houses there. And when you walk around in those neighborhoods, something that's common is as part of the architecture of those houses is there's an emphasis put on the front porch. People have these front porches. They're open. They're bigger to sit, to hang out. And they were designed to be something that invited people to connect and hang out and talk with one another. People would be sitting on their front porch, and if someone was walking by on a sidewalk, a conversation strikes up, and next thing you know, they're all hanging out on the front porch, having a wonderful time together. I had a paper out when I was a kid, and I, I delivered to a lot of older houses like that. And there was this little old lady named Mary that I always delivered the newspaper to. And I knew in the summertime, if Mary was sitting on her front porch, two awesome things were going to happen. One is I was getting fresh, cold lemonade, which is wonderful. And I was going to spend some time with Mary hanging out, talking to her. Because that's what she did, and that's what she wanted, and she knew life worked better that way. But nowadays, houses, when you look at how houses are built, and this isn't a knock on, you know, architects anymore or how we build our houses, but what we see now is there's no focus on a front porch. All the focus is on a back porch. And they're big and they're awesome and they're wonderful, but they're more private. And they're more individualistic and they're more of a, a controlled situation to where we only invite the people we want to invite into our lives then. That's what happened. People used to know their neighbors and if there was a need, people would need to meet the need. But now we're so focused on our own privacy and our own individualism that we miss out connecting with other people. We see it in technology, too. We are more connected than ever with social media and all that stuff. But I think we're lonelier than ever. We have hundreds and thousands of Facebook friends, but we don't even know it's their birthday until Facebook tells us it's their birthday. It's true. In fact, my brother-in-law, John, actually did an experiment that I thought there's no way this is going to work. This is a dumb idea. But he says, he's going to do His birthday was April 26th. And so he was going to change his birthday on his Facebook profile to the 26th of every single month to see what happens. I'm like, dude, people are going to figure this out. He's like, no, just try it. I, was, I couldn't believe it. Every month on the 26th, people are like, happy birthday, John. And it's the same people as the month before. The scary thing was, it was some of his own family members doing it. They've known him for years, and they're like, oh, happy birthday, again and again and again. And I'm just sitting there going, what is going on right now? But it shows what happens. We're connected, but we don't know each other. We, we, we connect on technology, but we don't really build into relationships. We've isolated ourselves. And I think what we're, we are is we're hesitant to move into circles because circles cause us to really look at how we're living and the life that we're leading. You see, in isolation, we can be how we want, act how we want, live how we want, and not worry about other people speaking into our lives. But in circles, we have to open ourselves up to go, okay, how am I living? Is this what God wants me to do? And what Solomon taught and he knew and he experienced thousands of years ago is still true for us today. You and I, we're going to fall. Whether it's in our control or not, we're going to go through circumstances where, where things happen and we fall. We're going to be left hurting and wanting and wondering what the purpose of life is in those moments. Every single one of us here, whether you are a male or female, young or old, married or single, Jesus follower or not, every single one of us is and will fall in life. It's what we do. It's what we go through. And every single one of us, we are open and we have blind spots that we are susceptible to falling in. It will lead to some very difficult times. And most of us, if not all of us, have already fallen into those blind spots and those struggles. And we felt the effects of those too. We felt the loneliness that it brings and the brokenness. We felt the shame. We felt the impact of sin. 
in the bad decisions that, are in our, that we've made in our lives. Maybe some of you are experiencing that right now. When that happens, we need to have a circle that's around us, that's supporting us, to pick us back up and to see those blind spots. This is why we have small groups at River Glen. We truly believe that together is better because that's how God wired us to be. And we want every single one of you to experience that truth. Because in, in groups, together we build relationships. And together we encourage each other. And together we support each other. Together we, we care for each other. But most importantly, together we remind each other and show each other who we are through God, through what he did with Jesus with his coming to earth, his sacrifice on the cross to rescue us, to restore us. And this is what we can't miss with small groups, is that when we gather together, it points us back to Jesus and the life that he lived and wants us to live and the sacrifice he made. You see, Jesus came to heal our brokenness and Jesus came to forgive our sins and Jesus came to pick us back up when we fall. And he came to pick up the pieces of our brokenness and put it back together. That's what Jesus does for all of us. That's what he offers to all of us. But Jesus also came to take all of us away from the loneliness and put us into community together. Jesus came to heal us, but to keep us that way, he put us in circles to live that out. Everything you've done and everything you will do, Jesus forgives and restores. But then he tells you to go live that out together because that's better. This is what happens in small groups. This is what we experience. We pick each other up. We watch out for trouble. And we keep each other from being isolated, all because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. About a month ago, my small group got to experience this in multiple different ways. A lot of you guys know, but if you don't know, a month ago today, actually, August 11th, my wife and I welcomed our third son into the world, Kobe. And life is crazier than ever because we are outnumbered. Uh, but this story isn't about Kobe. It's about what happened in the time that Kobe came in uh, to this world. Because as we were in the hospital, we also had another couple from our small group. There's 10 of us with a bunch of little kids involved. And there's another couple that was due to have a baby in September this month. So weeks, weeks later than when Kobe was due. Now, Danielle, uh, she was ready to have this kid. Like, Kobe came a day late uh, than our due date. She was ready to just, just be done with the pregnancy. Let's get this kid out here. Let's deal with three kids at one time. But this other couple, they were still waiting weeks before this baby was expected to arrive. Well, as we were in the hospital and we were excited to bring Kobe into the world, we get a message from that couple who said they went for a checkup and the doctor told them that the baby wasn't measuring at the size they would like to at that point. And they wanted to induce right then that day so they could see what's going on. Now, if you've ever, ever been in a situation like that or you know someone who's been in that situation, that's a very terrifying experience. It's one thing to expect when your kid's supposed to come. It's another thing to have someone tell you, like, hey, I know you weren't expecting this, but you're, you're going to have a baby today because we have to figure out what's going on there. That can be terrifying. Now, what was crazy, though, is they, they tell them that, and they send them to the hospital, and they get sent to Waukesha Memorial, right where Danielle and I are at, getting ready to have our baby. And they check them into a room, and their room literally is 10 sec a 10-second walk from where our room is at. And so here we are, people from the same small group. We know each other. We love each other. We're going through a similar situation with bringing kids into the world, and we're able to hang out and talk and see how things are going. Ray and I got to uh, just check on each other, see how we're holding up as dads. And what was awesome as Kobe was born uh, on the 11th, and 25 hours later, little Hayden was born as well. And here we are hanging out in each other's hospital rooms at the hospital because the nurses found out we knew each other so well, and we're hanging out and here are our kids together. 
It was an amazing and powerful experience to go through this with some people that you know and love in our circle. And what's cool is our, our, the rest of our small group rallied around us. They brought us lunches and they brought gifts for our older kids and they hung out with us to see how we were doing. We experienced what a small group was like. What was crazier is a week after that, there was another couple from our small group moving into a new house. And we had planned right now that we were going to go help them move, but we just welcomed kids into the world. And we were you know, struggling to you know, have enough sleep, let alone move heavy equipment that we would probably break and break ourselves with. But what was awesome, that didn't stop our small group from making it happen. They went and helped move the other couple from our small group into their house. No, I say this because this is what small groups do. It's great that we come together and we study scripture together and we encourage one another. But what's amazing is when life hits, I know exactly who's going to be there for my wife and I. My circle. That's who they are. That's what small groups do. And in the span of a few days, I got to witness the beauty that is a small group. It was more proof that together is better. And that's what God wants for all of you. That's the life that Jesus wants you to experience. He forgives you. He gives you new life, but he wants you to live that life together with others. So here's my challenge for you. Make a move to go into a circle. Maybe you're here and you've never joined a small group before, and you've heard uh, this invitation before, and what you do is you, you think of two things. One is you're too busy, or two, you're too scared. And I'm not saying that to pick on you. I'm saying those, those are legitimate uh, issues for us to go into a small group. One, we are very busy in life. And two, it is terrifying to enter into a circle of people that maybe we don't know super well yet. My encouragement for you, my challenge for you is to move past those excuses in this season of your life. And enter into a circle. And experience that together is better. And there's some of you here, you've, you've experienced the circle, you're in a small group, and th that thing has gone well, but what's happened is, is you're in this crazy season of life. Things are busy. Things are hectic and chaotic, and so you're thinking, you know what, you've got to free up some time in your schedule, and so you're going to leave your circle so you can deal with the busyness, and once that's done, you'll head back into your circle. Do you see how that goes against how God designed things to work? It's actually when life is crazy is that you need to make sure you're in a circle, you need to make sure that you have others to support you, to encourage you for when life is hitting you. So if you're thinking, like, this is the season you're going to take a break from that, my challenge is, is don't feed into that temptation. Stay in your circle and continue to experience that together is better, especially in the midst of chaos. And maybe there's some of you in this room that you want to join a group. You want to be in a circle with others. But you look at the small groups we have offered, and maybe they don't work with your schedule. Here's my encouragement. Find some people that you know and start your own circle. We'll help you, we'll resource you, we'll do whatever we have to do to get you up and running with your circle to, to just uh, care for one another, to encourage each other, and to experience that life is better together. Whatever it is, wherever you're at, make a move to move into a circle. And all of you are going to have a chance to make that decision later on in the service, but not yet. We're going to do something together first that's a little messy, a little crazy, but that's okay because that's what life is. I want everyone to get their, your yarn out. Hold off loud and proud, you got your yarn. You also got your scissors. Some of you got the world's tiniest scissors in the world. That's okay. They were donated, so we'll use them. They're dull, but they'll cut yarn. Some of you may have to share scissors. That's okay, too. But uh, you have those elements, which is perfect. That's what we need. So you have this yarn. This yarn is your life. That's what it represents right now. Okay, this is you. And what you do is if, if, if you've ever fallen in life, 
If you've ever, whether it was in your control or not, but gone through a time of need in your life, whether it's minor or major, cut your yarn. Go ahead and cut it once. And if you've ever fallen into a blind spot in life, and you've struggled with some sin and, and, the, and the difficulties of decisions you've made, and you felt that, and your loved ones have felt that, cut your yarn again. Now you have three pieces of yarn, right? This represents what happens in life, the brokenness that can come in life when we fall, which we've all done. It represents some of the painful decisions that we've made, and it represents what life looks like for a lot of us. But here's what I want you to do now. You're going to be mad at me, but just do it. I want you to tie your yarn back together. Some of you guys are like, that's easy, no problem. And some of you guys, I, I don't have the fingers to do this. This is going to be too difficult. Tie your arm back together. This is what Jesus does for us. In our brokenness, in our struggle, in the pieces of our lives, he puts us back together. He forgives us. He restores us. Sure, our yarn's a little shorter now. It's frayed with some knots. And it's the scars that we have with, from life. That he restores us. He makes us whole again. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you haven't. But this is what Jesus has done and can do for you. He came to heal you, to forgive you, to put you back together. And he did that through the cross. But once he does that, this is really crazy, he tells us to live this out together. So here's what you do now. I want you to take your yarn and I want you to tie it to your neighbor's. All your neighbors across your row. So I want you to make one big piece of yarn across your row. Now here's the deal. If there is a gap between you, I want you to get up and move towards the center of this auditorium just for a moment to get this yarn being built and tied together. If there is an aisle in between you here on the floor or up there in the mezzanine, cross the aisle and make that a big piece of yarn. Make this thing big. This is us starting to come together because together is better. So you guys have permission. Get up, walk around, get this tied across in your rows, okay? All right, I think we're getting closer. If you're still working, that's okay. I want you to listen up because here's the next step. This is us getting together. This is us in the midst of our brokenness, Jesus healing us, putting us back together. But then we start doing this thing together, okay? And we start becoming stronger. We're getting better but we're not there just yet. So here's what I want you guys to do now, okay? From the top, all working your way down to the very front, here's what's gonna happen. If you're at the end of your row of yarn, I want you now to tie it to the row in front of you and behind you. I want you to make one gigantic piece of yarn. Now here's the deal, once you do that, from the back moving towards the front, pass that yarn forward. So where we start building this whole big thing and we'll get one gigantic piece of yarn down here in the front. So tie that up. We're gonna see who the real leaders are here who jump up and figure this out. Tie it up, pass it forward and we'll get it up here in the front. What this is, what this represents and this is how God designed us to be as a church. There were all these individuals with our own baggage and our own brokenness. But Jesus fixes that. Jesus heals that. And he puts us back together.
But then Jesus tells us to take that life he's given us and live it out with other people. So we start connecting to each other. Because together is better. And when we do this, when we live this out, we realize that in the midst of everything, we're stronger together. We encourage each other together. And we realize that no matter what bring, whatever life brings, we are not alone in this. So as this is getting all put together, this is us. This is us because of what Jesus did for us. This is what he came to give us. No matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what baggage we've brought, Jesus forgives and restores that. And he tells us to do this thing together. So instead of these, these, these individuals that were susceptible to falling and falling into our blind spots, together we pick each other up, we look out for each other, we encourage each other, we live this life together following Jesus. Because together really is better. And that can exist, that happens because of Jesus. And so what happens in all of this is because of Jesus, we move from individuals to a community together, learning to live and love like him. And we're going to move into a time to celebrate that together right now through communion. We remember the sacrifice he made on the cross for us. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. That was given to us, shed for us so that we can have life and we can live that life together. And the beauty about communion is we do this every single week here at River Glen. And the beauty of it is we do this together. No matter what we've brought in with us today, no matter what we've experienced this week or going to experience, here we're reminded of who Jesus is. And we celebrate that together. And this is why it's so important that we also scatter here and enter into circles outside of here. Because together we're stronger, together we're better. I'm going to invite the ushers to pass communion now.